The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. It's a blessing to be back with you uh, this Sunday. Thank you for the uh, privilege and the opportunity. Uh, I need to begin with an apology uh, for my accent. Uh, I didn't grow up around here. I I speak West Texan. I did learn East Texan. Uh, For example, if you're from East Texas and you get sick, uh, anything that's not bone-related means you had a spell. Just... But if, you, if it is bone-related, then that means that you're stove up. So just a little East Texas vocabulary for you, and those are all true. Uh, I, can, uh, I can vouch for all of that. Well, since I have been with you last, I have been at, in Conroe, Texas, and in Brashear, Texas. You can look that up. It is a real place. Uh, I've been to Fort Worth and then to Murphy, and uh, Kathleen and I are delighted to be back with you uh, this coming uh, today and these next few weeks here during the month of August. So thank you. And congratulations on a great summer, a wonderful VBS report. Uh, a lot of life in uh, First Baptist Richardson today. And I'll tell you, people are attracted to life. So keep up the good work. Some years ago... Um, our daughter was home from, from college, and we were watching a, a cooking show on the Food Network. I think it was. It, so you remember, I think she went on to have her own morning talk show. I, didn't, I never saw it. Uh, but uh, a, a cook, a talk show host named Rachel Ray, that didn't ring a bell with you. So a number of years ago, she had a cooking show, and it was called 30-Minute Meals. Well, one evening, we were watching that, and whatever she made there in, in 30 minutes, I thought, what? That looks pretty good. Let's do that. And so, now I ran to the grocery store and got what we needed and came back, and so Kathleen and me and our daughter, the three of us, working as hard as we could for an hour and a half. (laughs) We finally prepared a 30-minute meal. All that to say, sometimes things are just more complicated than you think. And in in ministry, in church, preachers maybe in particular... We have a tendency, and I think I've shared with you before this, uh, we have a tendency to make things just more complicated than perhaps they really are. For example, when it comes to sharing your faith, when it comes to the whole world of evangelism, when when you talk about having, trying to engage in a gospel conversation, I think over the years, we've presented to churches all kinds of plans and programs, none of which are bad, all of which are good, but in so doing, all of that over 
all of these years, it seems like we may have made this whole thought process of, of a gospel conversation more difficult than it really needs to be. So my effort this morning is to simplify things just a little bit. And we'll do all of that using the, the Apostle Paul as our example. Take your Bible, turn to the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, and I'm going to read starting at verse 1, and you just follow along with me. If you didn't bring your Bible today, do not worry. I brought mine, and I will be reading from Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Now Saul, and he later became Paul, now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting, he replied. But get up. Go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Verse 8, Saul got up from the ground. Though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. Then it goes on and I'll tell you a little bit about that, but that's the... That's the basics of what happened to Saul. Which leads me to say to you, if, if you ever want to or are given the chance to have a gospel conversation, you only need two things. And the first thing you need is a testimony. And what you and I just read is the beginning of the testimony of Saul, who became Paul. Uh, he grew up an uh, educated Pharisee, zealous for his religion, so much so that he almost took it upon himself to eliminate followers of the way, those who believed in and followed after this person, Jesus, it was, he took it upon himself to, to remove them from society. And that's why he was on his way to Damascus, as we just read. Bring them back to Jerusalem, put them in prison, get them out of society. He was determined to do that. He had the blessing of the fathers to do that. And then on the way, you saw what happened. He saw this light from heaven, fell to his knees, heard a voice. He was blinded. Those people with him uh, stood him up. They took him on into the city. A fellow named Ananias, as you would read later, uh, having heard of Saul, 
hears this voice from heaven also to go and visit Saul. He's pretty hesitant because he's heard about what Saul has come to do, but he is obedient nonetheless. He goes and he speaks to Saul, and through the power of God, he restores his sight. And from that moment on, Saul is an evangelist, a church planter, a preacher to the Jews and an evangelist to the Gentiles. Shortly after this, if you read on in Acts chapter 9, he immediately begins to share what happened to him. This was his testimony. And so all you really need in order to share your faith, to talk to somebody else about Jesus, to have this gospel conversation, you know, all you really need first is a testimony. What happened to you? I have a testimony. Now, in a lot of ways, uh, my testimony is not nearly as powerful or dramatic as Saul's. But, in another way, to me, it's just as powerful. And it's just as dramatic. Because it's mine. And this is what happened to me. I grew up in church. My father was my pastor until I was 18 years old and moved out of the house and went off to college. But when I was nine years old, we were living in Duncan, Oklahoma. And my father was the pastor of the Highland Park Baptist Church in Duncan, Oklahoma. And just let me insert here. The similarities between Highland Park area of Duncan, Oklahoma and what you and I think of Highland Park in Dallas, those are not the same. But my dad was the pastor of this church. And so we lived in a small little three-bedroom house. My mom and dad had a room. My sister uh, had her own room. And I shared a room with my two brothers. I'm not bitter anymore about her having her own (laughs) room. But it was the first Tuesday night of the new year of 1966. So I was laying in my bed, and, and I had, we had bunk beds. And I was looking out the window, and I'd been in church all of my life. And for whatever reason, now, at the age of nine, all I knew was I was scared. As I looked out that window, and I began to think about eternity, So, you know, at the age of nine, I was scared. Now, I look back now, and I think that was the prompting of the Holy Spirit drawing me. I I couldn't have articulated that at the the time, at the age of nine. But but then, I just, I got scared. I'd been in church. I knew about heaven and hell and didn't know my place. So, I got out of bed, and I went down the hall, and my mom and dad were in this little living room that we had, and, and... And they could tell something was wrong. So, you know, when you tell your story, you try not to get emotional about it, but it's hard not to. So, but then in that moment, 
as a nine-year-old, kind of fearful. My mother and my father, they took the time and just explained to me Jesus. Who he was and what he had done for me. And there I just, I just bowed my head. They led me through this little simple prayer. And I prayed and I invited Jesus into my heart. I acknowledged Jesus as my personal Savior. So my life was changed. I wasn't a bad kid. I was actually an exemplary kid. I want to say that. I wasn't a bad kid, but my life has never been the same. A year later, I surrendered to the ministry at the age of 10. I started preaching when I was 14. Some really bad sermons, but they were so short, I kept getting invited back. But all of that started that night, that Tuesday in Duncan, Oklahoma. That's my testimony. What's your testimony? Just think about that for a minute. What is your testimony? Do you remember when it was when you made that decision, that personal decision, you know, as Baptists, we're pretty convinced that no one can make that decision for you. It is a personal decision that you make. So when was that for you, that you came to the realization that Jesus Christ was in fact the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins. And, and you, as it says in Romans, you, you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ was Lord and he became the Lord of your life. When was that for you? Do you remember where you were? Now some of you, that was right here at First Baptist Church. This is the place. And because of that, this is a special place for you. But do you remember where you were when that moment, when that occasion happened for you? Do you remember who was there? You know, for me, it was my mother and my, my father. Who was there with you? You know, where were you? Were you here? Were you at, at children's camp? Were you at youth camp? Were you at VBS? Who was there? Was it? Your pastor who was there? Was it a youth minister, a Sunday school teacher, a friend, your parents? Do you remember what happened that, in that experience? Do you remember how you felt there when you, when you came to know Jesus as your Savior? Back when I was a pastor, uh, every time we would baptize someone, uh, we would give them a Bible. And up there in the baptistry, uh, it was my privilege to present them a Bible as a gift from the church. But I always would say, I'd just get down on my knees, and I would, if they were a child, and I'd say, look, now whatever, what has happened to you here, you have a testimony. I want you to take this Bible, and when you get home, I want you to write down in this book your testimony. When did this happen? Where were you? Who was there? What happened? How did you feel? So we read Paul's testimony. You've heard my testimony. 
I'm asking the question, what's your testimony? And when it comes to having a gospel conversation, you just need two things. And the first is, you need a testimony. Secondly, you need an opportunity. Now, if you were to take your book of Acts and you were to go over to Acts chapter 22, you would find Paul, uh, now Paul, and he's kind of got this, he's in Jerusalem, he's got this mob of people around him, and uh, it's, it's kind of chaotic, but it, things quiet down for a moment. They realize as he speaks that he can speak in his language, in their language, and so everything gets really quiet, and there in Acts chapter 22, Paul in, in a kind of a mob environment, though, but it gets quiet. Paul is given an opportunity, and when he has that opportunity, what does he do? He tells his testimony. Now, there are other places in the book of Acts where he preaches and talks about Jesus, but in Acts 22, he just tells his story. You, you speed on a little further, you come to Acts chapter 26. He's now in front of King Agrippa, and in front of the king... This opportunity comes his way. He doesn't preach a sermon. Instead, he just kind of reviews what happened as we read in Acts chapter 9. He just tells his story. He shares his testimony. So what you need is a testimony and an opportunity. In Acts 9, we read his testimony, but then in Acts 22 and Acts 26, both times two very powerful and unique settings, he's given an opportunity, and instead of preaching a sermon, he just tells his story. He shares his testimony. And so that's what you need, a testimony and an opportunity. Um, did you ever see now I'm not recommending this. I have to always be careful about that. Uh, but did you ever see the movie? It's a classic film, Dumb and Dumber. Did anybody? <laughs> so uh, those are two hours I will never get back. <laughs> they're gone. They're lost forever. Nonetheless, if you saw the movie, Dumb and Dumber, and I'm not recommending that if you haven't seen it, that you go home and do that this afternoon. Um, you've got two hours there that you could invest wisely. But if you have seen it, you know there are these two characters. Uh, and, and they're really not uh, bright uh, in any way. Uh, Whatever's the opposite of bright, they would be that. So, but one of them, um, he, he's, he's attracted to this beautiful young lady. And the whole movie is kind of his pursuit of her. And towards the end, the movie kind of begins to wind down, you know, it, you know finally begins to wind down. These two, this less than bright individual, he finds himself in, in a room with 
this beautiful young lady he's been pursuing. And they have a conversation. And in that conversation, he asked, he asked her this question. He said, what are the chances of a guy like me ever getting together with a girl like you? To which she responds, well, about one in a million. To which he responds, so you're telling me there's a chance. All I'm telling you is, you just need a chance. When it comes to evangelism, witnessing, sharing your faith, engaging in a gospel conversation, all you need is a chance. So, I think we have to talk about that just for a minute. Uh, I'm I'm not sure... Very many of us are asking God for chances. I don't, I would say probably on a generally speaking day-to-day basis, most of us, as we get up and start our day, we don't include in that day's beginning, God, I, today... I just would ask for an opportunity to engage in a gospel conversation. But I wonder, what would change at First Baptist Church Richardson if tomorrow, Monday morning, the people of this church began their day by saying, God, today, somehow, some way, just give me a chance. And then secondly, it might be wise if we prayed and, and give me, I would, I'm asking for the spiritual sensitivity to know when that chance comes along. I think probably it's important to follow up asking for a chance with a prayer request that says, give me my heart, my mind, the sensitivity to know when you've opened that door. And then, and, and God, when, and when I sense that you've opened the door, just give me the courage to step through it. It doesn't have to be a, a run over somebody as you go through the door kind of a, a move, but a just, just a, a step towards someone when the, when the door comes swinging open to engage in that, in that gospel conversation about who Jesus is and just what's he, what's he done for me. You know, hey, you have a church home. I go to Richardson. I'm a somehow, some way, you know, it just comes up. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in and follow after Jesus. You know, what simple things that just start, open up a door and start a conversation. Just begin to pray for those things. And let's talk a little bit about opportunities. You know, I think about opportunities. So here, is it possible? That sometimes opportunities 
may only come once. I think, is it possible that sometimes chances like that may only come one time? Here's another thought I've had about that. Is it possible that opportunities, chances like that, is it possible they may only come to you? Because you're the only person who might have a chance to engage in the conversation with whoever this person might be. Nobody, that person may not know, may not have a relationship with another single believer but you. Is it possible opportunities only come once? Is it possible that opportunities may only come to you? And dare I say, is it possible that your opportunity is today to come and know Jesus? In this auditorium this morning, is it possible That God brought you here in this place at this hour for this moment for you to acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Over the years, as Baptists and in our churches, you know, I'm not sure what it all started with. Maybe it was evangelism explosion years ago. Some of you are old enough to remember that. A number of years ago, several years ago, this program called Faith was developed, F-A-I-T-H, and many, many churches adopted it. You may have, and it was, it was, it was quite successful in a lot of churches for a good number of years. Uh, and then there was CWT. Some of you remember CWT, Continuing Witness Training. Some of you have probably been through that. You may have offered that here in your church. There's a thing called Three Circles that's out there that, that a lot of our BSM students use, and it's quite successful in, in engaging people in, in, uh, in evangelism and in gospel conversations. Uh, a friend of mine who's a pastor down in the Woodlands, uh, he developed a, a whole program, in Kingwood, excuse me, he developed a whole program called 4x4, and it was kind of a beautiful the way he designed it. And, and we taught it for a good while at the Baptist General Convention of Texas when I was executive director there, and it was successful. A lot of our churches adopted it, and we had all these plans over all of these years, and they're all good, and if you have been through one of those, fantastic for you. Use it. Offer more of those. Offer all of those. But you really don't need any of them. What you need is a testimony and an opportunity. And it may just be that your opportunity to begin your testimony is today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the day, for the blessings of it, for the chance to be here, to be together. And just to look at your word and we see uh, it's not that complicated. And Father, I pray that this morning all of us would have a chance just to think back through and review our testimony and that it would just drive us to a place of deep and sincere gratitude for the salvation that you have brought to us. We praise you for it. But Father, we do pray there's anybody here today who's never established that personal relationship with Jesus. We pray that today would be that that day that this chance they're given they take advantage of it
We leave this time of invitation in your hands. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could have your attention just for a quick second. If you are here and you do not know Jesus and you'd like to talk with someone about Jesus, I'll be here at the front. Some of the other pastors will be here at the front. All you have to come down to the front. Take one of us by the hand. Listen, everybody here wants you to come. We're with you. We're for you. Just come and we will celebrate that decision if the Lord leads you to make that. But maybe today you just want to come in a spirit of gratitude, thanking God for the salvation he brought to you. Kneel this altar and pray and just thank him for that. Take one of us by the hand. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. You're looking for a church home. God's at work in this place. There's a lot of life here. You come be a part of what God's doing at First Baptist Richardson. Whatever decision you need to make, you make it today. Let's stand together. Let's sing. We invite you to come.